Are you ready? It's that time! Hello, DGENs and degenerates. Welcome to another episode of Man Buns and Jesus. As you can see from Josh's face, he didn't know that was coming. I, I gotta let you know, almost no one watches the video of this. <laughs> so most of the people who are hearing this cannot see the look on my face. Fair enough. But... You've never it was heard one of shame them. for anyone who didn't see it. I was ashamed of what Ben just said. Deeply, <laughs> deeply ashamed. Now you've heard our voices. I'm Pastor Ben Olschlager here in the great state of Michigan. That is Pastor Josh Laborious uh, down there in the flaming hellhole that is California. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can't say that. I'm kidding uh we're we're enjoying a nice winter day here in michigan uh josh is complaining Same. about days in the 70s uh what are you talking about i'm enjoying a nice winter day here in socal uh but we are uh setting ourselves up for an interesting episode here today uh and to give us a little background and on why we're talking about what we're talking about uh josh wants to lead us off today with a little little story of personal experience a little anecdote well i mean even before i get to my anecdote <laughs> the reason we're doing this is <laughs> we admit that last week's episode was just very it was agreeable it was super soft um and that's not what that's not what you come here for you come here <laughs> for the spiciness you come here Un to get offended picante. a little bit <laughs> You come here because we're willing to say things that uh, that most people won't say to you. So we said we want a spicy episode today. Oh, we got a good one for you today. <laughs> um, and today we're talking about economic policy. And you say that doesn't sound spicy. What if I phrase it like this? We're talking about capitalism. And... <laughs> The, the anecdote I have for this is I've had an interesting journey when it comes to how I look at capitalism and other economic systems, okay? So when I was a kid, you know, I was very, go capitalism, right? Go, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that kind of thing. Um, and then probably an undergrad, which is oh so basic for me to think, uh, to, to kind of feel a shift. I wouldn't say I was, I was, I wanted to be socialist or anything, but like, you at least I came across, well, I came across verses in the Bible that said like they had everything in common and they sold everything to give to others. And I was like, does the, is the Bible advocating for socialism? Um, but then I, I was sitting in a class in seminary and a professor I respect very much brought up this verse from 
1 Corinthians 16. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And you might say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, here's what it has to do. Um, the church in Jerusalem is the one where it said they were all selling all their stuff and, and everybody shared alike and shared together. They were like practicing socialism. And my professor pointed this out. He's like, this is saying it didn't work. Like this is saying they ran out of money. Like they could not, it was not sustainable what they were doing. Um, I was like, oh, well, that's a valid point. Um, and then I've been going through the Proverbs recently with, uh, with our daily devotions at Edgewater. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there are a lot of Proverbs that to say something to the effect of, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Um, or if you're not willing to work is, and, and our catechism makes an important point. They're like, if you're unable to work, the church should take care of you. But the willingness should be there. So, so that's been my kind of journey. And I've landed in a place where like, I acknowledge that no matter what the economic system is, it is going to be broken to some degree. But I do genuinely believe that capitalism is probably the least prone to critical failure. That's how I want to phrase that. So we're going to talk about capitalism today. And I really hope, Ben, you're not on the same page as me, because then this is going to become a lot less spicy right away. I, Dang it. I'm on a lot of similar pages to you, but I don't know if I would consider capitalism the least prone to critical failure. Oh, thank goodness. So I... That being said, I don't know what is. So that's kind of an exploration we're going to have as we go through this episode. Um, and also, for those of you who are are thinking today that we're going to be talking a lot about capitalism and then never mentioning anything else, that's true. We're not focusing on socialism or uh, authoritarianism. Socialism will probably receive the second most discussion in this show. I think we can agree that communism has never really worked out and it's not mm -hmm. it's not something worth pursuing nor, nor every has time communism has cropped up in history the christian church gets like pushed out of the country so we're gonna say maybe that's not the route we want to advocate for we're, we're also not gonna push too much into like pure anarchy either uh anarchy as, as fun as fun as that is uh Ben, when, I got a YouTube show that I got to send you after this. I'm okay. not going to say it on air, but you will appreciate it. Okay, and sounds good. Anarchy in that intonation is a quote from that show. Okay, noted. Um. Anyway, so to kick us off today, I, I kind of want to like define capitalism. Um, and we're like, probably for, uh, for better or for worse, um, we're very familiar with the United States version of capitalism. 
we've grown up in it. We've experienced it quite a bit. Um, we Mark. like we as much as you are listeners, because I don't think we have any international listeners that I've seen. We other have a than, couple Canadian listeners, but that's and that one guy in Brazil, right? Probably a couple guys in Brazil, honestly. Okay. Anyway, um, hey, Alan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, our uh, mostly American listener base is also going to be fairly familiar with a lot of the things we're describing. Um, and what we want to kind of play out in this is like, there's no perfect system. There is not going to be a perfect system, but it's worth us acknowledging as uh, people in the church um, where the weaknesses are in the system of economy and government that we live so that we as the people of God can do what we can to fill the, fill the needs that exist. Um, within the United States, we live in a, a free market capitalist system. Um, it is almost entirely market driven. There are some government checks in place to monitor things like the stock market, um, different like product safety things. Um, like you can't just sell three-year-old meat. Um, that's probably a good thing. Not nobody for very likes, long anyway. Yeah. Nobody likes the runs. Um, the twins do. Anyway, uh, and so that's that's the world we're speaking to. Um, so Josh, do we should we start with like some of the things that we see as as genuine strengths of of a free market system, or should we start with the spicy takes? Um, I'm gonna go with somewhere in between. Okay, I'm gonna, and this is this is probably actually the crux of why I believe capitalism is the least prone to critical failure um, from like a moral perspective, because capitalism relies on the worst parts of human nature, which also means it relies on the most consistent parts of human nature. Because 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 capitalism assumes that people are going to make decisions in their best interest, that they are going to be selfish, and that greed is, is a motivating factor. I believe those are two pretty darn good assumptions to make about humanity. And because capitalism operates on those assumptions, I think it is very, it's, it's prone to success because those assumptions are going to be true, um, which on the flip side, I think is a weakness of socialism and, and other um, other economic policies in that way because it assumes the best in people. Uh, for socialism, like from a government perspective, you're assuming the government is gonna do the right thing. Historically, that is a bad assumption. Human nature says that is a bad assumption. Um, if you give people the freedom to do the wrong thing, a lot of times they're going to do the wrong thing. That is, that's what we confess. We confess that we are broken and sinful by nature. Um, so we have that. And um, socialism also assumes that people will make worse decisions for themselves to for the sake of others. Again, 
you're you're running against the grain of human nature here. So I think the one of the greatest strengths of capitalism is it acknowledges the reality of what humans are and says, okay, let's build a system that works as well as possible, given that these are our weaknesses. Um, that's that's what I think is capitalism's greatest strength, is that it, it acknowledges the brokenness of our of our human nature, and then tries to make that constructive. I I'm going to disagree with you here. Ooh. So I think realistically, all that capitalism really does in terms of the way that it uh distributes power in the market is it takes that that power away from like government entities and puts it into the hands of individuals and corporations who are themselves run by sinful and broken people correct but sinful and broken people who need their consumers to continue yes but so you're... they're relying on they're they're making the issues of the consumer they're they're making the success of the powerful contingent upon the well-being of the consumer that's not entirely true though if you just look at look at the 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 very fact that the principle of monopoly exists and i'm not talking about the board game i'm talking about the like overtaking of a market uh, this is a relevant and random modern example, but um, there is currently some rumbling uh, in Congress and in other places of power that uh, Ticketmaster should be um, taken down because it's a monopoly over the uh, sale and resale of uh, electronically purchased tickets for sporting events and concerts. Um, and all of this is because of the exorbitant prices at Taylor Swift concerts. Um, I love that this is a story and it it just makes me giggle every time I think about it. But like they control, I think 90 to 95% of the market share when it comes to ticket sale and resale uh, in the electronic space. Uh, and they dominate when it comes to original sales because they have uh, contracts with just about every of the major sports leagues um as well as with a lot of the 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 big record companies and production companies for um tours for musicians and, and stuff um and so they can charge exorbitant fees to the people buying tickets and there's nowhere else that people can go if they want to like purchase those tickets um anyway all of that is to say like we don't necessarily need uh, concerts. We don't necessarily need sporting events. But a single company took over the market in that particular space, found a way to pump it for as much money as they possibly could. And uh, they're, not, they're not at all concerned about the well-being of their consumer. They're just concerned about how much money they can get out of it. Um, and imagine if that happened, I don't know, in the banana industry uh like all of a sudden why did you have company... to pick bananas what couldn't have said the apple industry no no no, no. the orange industry the broccoli industry See, i chose bananas strategically 
because they basically all need to be imported. You can really only grow them in in the United States in Hawaii. Um, I think very southern tip of Florida can sustain some of it too, but uh, it takes a very specific climate. So you have to import basically all of your bananas. Um, and it'd be fairly easy for a single company to dominate the market share of bananas to the point where they could kind of start to fix the price uh, and could make an absorbent amount of money uh, provided that people continue to buy bananas, which bananas are pretty commonly eaten food. And I think a lot of people like them enough that people would continue buying them, but they'd get priced out in some uh, to some level. Um, and you could apply that to just about anything. Or another example, um, diapers, baby diapers. They're incredibly expensive because there's like two or three companies that dominate that market. Do they have the best interest of their consumers at heart? I don't think so. Because they're just charging exorbitant fees for something that they know parents will continue to need. Do kids never ever stop pooping? No. They eventually learn how to do it in a toilet, but until that happens, they need to keep buying diapers. So I will concede that yes, there is, there's obviously room for abuse, but my counterpoint is that I, I do believe a rising tide, you know, is it a rising tide lifts all ships? Is that the phrase? Mm-hmm. Um, because the reality is these, these innovations, um, they're taken advantage for for a while um but the technology or whatever at some point becomes ubiquitous and the innovation that is driven by that desire to make more money i think eventually benefits the society as a whole are there problems along the way yes are there significant problems along the way yes Ticketmaster is is the worst <laughs> <laughs> But um, I, I do believe, um, and, and this is probably, I, I would prefer an effective system with flaws to an ineffective system with, with like socialism, yes, your people can take advantage of the system less easily, which I don't know is true taking advantage of the system just looks differently, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, different people are taking advantage of the system. Um, but there's there's definitely an argument to be made that the eff- efficacy of, <laughs> of socialism is way less as far as like the research and development that gets done. Um, like capitalism and, and greed drives innovation. And yeah, sometimes that means everybody's getting screwed. But sometimes that means you have Elon Musk who's like, oh, I wanna make everything, like I wanna make electric cars feasible. <laughs> and he might actually pull it off. Um, he's like, I, I wanna make space travel sustainable. Like <laughs> he genuinely wants to put people, like colonize Mars he might pull it off like 
he would not no no single entity would have the resources to try something like that in a socialist system right because the amount of money he's having to throw at these projects to try and accomplish them is absurd like i can't even picture it i can't even imagine how much money that spacex or that tesla goes through um so i i'll concede yeah there are definitely places where people are taken advantage of, but I I think it's a rising tide lifts all ships kind of situation. This is where again, like, I don't think that there's a, like, I don't have a preferred system of economic structure, because you're, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Like, there are fundamental flaws with socialism that kind of start with some of the assumptions they make about human human nature but i think in order to like truly have a capitalist system you need to make some of those same assumptions about the people that are going to run industries and about the resiliency of um <laughs> hang on i need to take this call okay while Ben does that, I'm gonna, you know, go after it. Um, so one other, one other. Ben, Ben is right. You have to assume that the people in who accrue all this wealth are gonna use it well, um, which is is why I think that the freedom of the market is is a really critical piece of capitalism, right? Because what it means is. There is a line that if they cross, they will lose their business um, with Ticketmaster. They're getting real close, right? Um, like you can push people so far, but there is a point where they're going to say, it is not worth it. I am going to like, uh, and in the, in the instance of like a billionaire, say, say the owners of Walmart suddenly were doing evil experiments and it came and it became very public, like, there is a line where the, um, the, the population decides, no, you have gone too far. We're going to shop at Target instead of Walmart. Um, and Walmart tanks, you know, the company fails, whatever. So I, I believe because it's a free market, there is a line um, where, where that morality or immorality is checked. Whereas the people who are positioned in, in like a socialist economic system, um, the government, uh, there's really not a great recourse when they decide to not do well because the, the system is built for them. And there's, there's not as much freedom um, by design because the market controls are in their hands. So, um, yeah, I think for, for capitalism to remain a morally tenable system, it, it has to be part of a free market because the consumer has to have the choice to say, no, you have crossed a line, you have gone too far, you have taken too much advantage of this, this setup I am going to, I'm not going to 
contribute to your business. Um, and you might say, oh, there are companies too big to fail who like that would never happen to. But I, I don't think that is the case because we've seen really big companies fail. So I don't know if you heard any of the things I just said. I didn't. So. Sorry, I muted you. Oh, good. Good. Can't carry on with whatever you were saying. Where was I? Um, oh, yeah. I don't have a like preferred system in mind, but I agree with Josh. There are fundamental like errors in judgment about the, the very concept of human nature that base socialism. But I think you make those same fundamental uh, assumptions about the people that run the corporations in a capitalist system. And I think you underestimate the ability and the resilience of people within that capitalist system to adjust when uh, changes are needed. Um, an example- in, I underestimate uh, or I overestimate? You overestimate, sorry. Um, an example I'll make now, um, or based on like kind of where was, things are at now. That was very robotic. Yeah. I will no, make an example. On where now. things are at now, sorry. Example loading. <laughs> um so in our in our modern day and age right we're very reliant on um mostly large-scale farms raising a lot of our food um if there was a day and age where all of a sudden that system collapsed um a lot of people wouldn't necessarily have the ability the know-how the the opportunity the space to um either grow their own food or source their own food another way um so like in my mind oftentimes within capitalism we kind of exist on the brink of parts large parts of our economy collapsing and leaving us with a lot of areas of need um like I know it's probably not going to happen because we we attempt to kind of shore up our resources against this but say we had a uh, a drought and a locust infestation such as they did during the dust bowl during the recession or the the great depression in the 1930s we do have a uh, drought we've had a drought for three years that's what the commercials keep telling me i know they're experiencing drought in california uh that is there are real problems there but like imagine we experience that kind of like horrendous drought of the dust bowl era and all of a sudden our agriculture industry collapses uh and people don't have the the wherewithal or the know-how to really respond to it in a way that is effective that would be disastrous and i think a lot of that is like predicated on how hard we push some parts of our our system because of the fact that we're in a capitalist system um and so again this is me just pointing out that there's problems and not offering a solution oh yeah there are there <laughs> well and i think if 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 we're honest i think regardless of your system there has to be like there's it could work on the right conditions. Mm -hmm. 
And with with our capitalist system, I think the conditions by which it works best is when those who actually when anyone within the system is taught compassion and generosity. So so there's this uh, I, going back to my story at the beginning, right? They're taking up a collection for Jerusalem because Jerusalem <coughs> doesn't have any money left because they sold everything. And they're just- They're also they're experiencing, just, from my, my memory, they're also experiencing some sort of disaster. I, I believe drought, maybe, And that was um, what ultimately pushed them over the edge. So what, man, my train of thought just left the station. And I Sorry. was still standing. I was still buying popcorn. Um, so there's still there's this generosity, there's this giving, um, but it's not mandated, I guess. So what I what I would say is that kind of the ideal here is that in our capitalist society, the church teaches people to care for the less fortunate. And you might say that sounds like socialism. No, it's not socialism because no one, it, like it's not forced by like, no one is controlling the market to do this. It is, we have taught society, we have formed and discipled people within society to take care of each other and to be generous and to give of their wealth. Um, so my, I got two pithy statements for this. Uh -oh. I think they're pithy. The first is, and this applies to welfare, this applies to any government like handout situation. If the church was doing its job, the government wouldn't have to. Okay. If the church was taking care of poor people, the government wouldn't have to take care of poor people. So whenever we say, oh, the government shouldn't do this, the government shouldn't do that, well, then the church better step up. Um, and you, you want to ask my opinion on how do we, how do we maybe <laughs> cut back on some of the stuff the government does uh, that a capitalist would say the government shouldn't be doing? I say, well, the church should do a better job of taking care of people. Um, so that's my first pithy statement. Um, and the second is something, and this this is something I think Jordan Peterson said on joe rogan's podcast you've just so, angered a number of people with that. yeah so everybody buckle up for this but it it really i really like this sentence uh, or this statement because he says there is no virtue in weakness there is virtue in strength that is restrained he said don't be weak be a monster and learn how to control it and then <laughs> the 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 response and i can't believe joe rogan said this but joe rogan replied with yeah it's the old saying better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war which is not the same thing but they're both so what i'm saying is i'm okay with us being a society of monsters if the church steps in and teaches us how to restrain it and teaches us how to control it so like if if the pastors of all these billionaires, I don't know if they have pastors, I don't know if they're in the church. Um, but if their pastors teach them like, 
the homeless problem that we have, you are in a position to help with that. And <laughs> the hungry, you are in a position to help with that. No one is making you, but like that is the good thing to do for you to help these people. Mm-hmm. That's what I think if we're looking, how do you, you said, I'm offering problems and those solutions. I think that's our solution is we disciple people better so that when we have wealth, we use it to help people. And I'm not saying give away everything you have, right? Because <laughs> then you become someone that needs the assistance. Mm-hmm. right sustainably help other people is what i'm saying mm-hmm. um so that's that's my that's my quote for the day that i think i'm okay with putting on on the wall i'm okay with a society of monsters as long as we learn how to control it i'm gonna maybe broaden that even a little bit i was expecting I think, a challenge so i'm i'm optimistic it, i mean i think it's a bit of both um so i think what you're offering in that particular situation is a way that as as christians we can within a capitalist society uh attempt to make up for some of the deficiencies in the way that our society runs right like there is a a great ease with which a capitalist society can lose sight of the the poor the impoverished people who are just born into unfortunate situations um that that's a a distinct reality uh and so as the church we can we can do a lot to care for those kinds of people but i think more broadly like regardless of what system we find ourselves in um economically uh politically um whatever the case may be i think as a as the church we just need to be willing and prepared to analyze those systems um see where their faults are and be prepared to hedge against them right so within the capitalist society like you said like the biggest fault is that people get left behind within a a socialist system if we ever find ourselves living in one um the the biggest fault is assuming that um people are well i guess there's a few people are selfless um that they're constantly motivated to work and that um they're willing to work for a greater good um i think like we can encourage people within a socialist system to help benefit their society by saying, Hey, as Christians, we kind of do actually want you to try and achieve these things, like to live selflessly, to um, promote Work the greater, is a gift. Yeah. To promote the, the greater good of your, of your neighbor um, to, to work hard and, and diligently um because work can be a a form of praise um and so by doing so like you are hedging against the downfall of that society um and there are other odd economic systems that you know have their own strengths and weaknesses and there are things within our teaching as the church that we can do to say yeah let's let's do what we can to support those that have been placed in power and um 
support our and neighbors support, along the way. Sometimes that does include challenging them. Yeah. Right. So let's let's never forget that if you really love and support someone, sometimes that means calling them out when they're doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are we ready for takeaways? Um, well, let me think. Is there any anyone else we want to step on toes first? Any more enemies we want to make today? Um, here's one more I'll make. <laughs> You're gonna say yes. Here's one more I'll make. Um, there are some arguments within economics. Uh, especially from conservatives, that the U.S. system of capitalism has begun to spiral downward over the last, you know, 100, 200 years as uh, faith in society declines. Um, And on some level... Faithful people in society or faith in society as a construct? Both. Um. Okay. Both, exi- both are true. Both exist. Um, yeah. I don't think that argument holds as much water as a lot of people will give it credit for. Um, it's worth us remembering that there was a time at which uh, Black people in the Southern United States were counted as three-fifths of a person. The, like, okay, hold on. Not I, just the Southern half of the United States. The entire United States. <laughs> Enslaved people within the United States were considered three-fifths of a person. If they there lived we go. The if they lived go. in the North and they were Black, then they counted as a full person. Um, no, 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 no. Yeah, for, con- yeah, for congressional population counting in the entire country, that's how they were counted. I'm, I think you've got it wrong, Josh. I'm fairly certain here. Look up, look it up. I'm pretty sure that it was enslaved people within the United States, especially in the southern states. No, it was significant because there were more in the southern states and the northern states were concerned that that was going to give the southern states an incredible population control. Yes. Um, Either way, my point stands that like. Yes. No. Capitalism in the United States. Across the country. Three fifths. For enslaved persons. The, the reason for those of you who are like, why do you get so touchy about this? Because there are a lot of misconceptions about the North and the South. Like everyone's slavery happened throughout the country, and slavery mm-hmm. is gone throughout the country. I I saw someone the other day who's like, Aren't there still slaves in South Carolina? And I'm like, You are the dumbest person I've ever met in my life. Anyway, content sorry, continue. Anyway, um, I think I mean to your point, I'm pretty sure that some of the first slave ships in the United States showed up in New York. Um, that would make sense. Anyway. It was, uh, it was the economic place. Um, anyway. All of, like, all of that is to say, like, there was never a time and a place where uh, faith, and especially the Christian faith, dominated the market in terms of the values. Um, there have been ebbs and flows throughout the years where like, where, when Christianity, Christianity has more influence, um, the market seems to run a little bit better because there's a little bit more care. Um, but it's not like it's been a linear thing. Um, 
And I think if the church does do a job well and hedges against the weaknesses of a system like it has done in the past in different places, um, it certainly can be like we can have a society that runs pretty well. Um, but there's no guarantee with any economic or political system um, that that is actually going to exist. And so as the church, uh, like right, the church stands regardless of the economic or political system yeah and as the church we, we are not predicated on the like, church comes first y'all yeah yeah yep jesus doesn't care what everybody else says he did what he did mm -hmm. um yeah takeaways takeaways um be a good Christian, no matter what economic system you might find yourself in. Mm. Yeah. Um, know that there is, as far as I can tell, uh, no Christian system of economics and, and politics. Um, I think the closest we can find to a biblical one is uh, a constitutional monarchy with God as king. And the rest of us as peasants. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like with no authority whatsoever. Um, God would occasionally raise up judges to make sure people were doing his law. But like that is the early system of Israel. Um, no one really had any sort of absolute authority. And yeah, it was it was street justice mostly. Yeah. Like if you read it, it's like, oh, someone killed your family member. Well, send the Avenger after it? them. Send your kinsman Redeemer after them. <laughs> so, oh, they made it to a city of refuge. Uh, if they could convince those elders, it was an accident. Well, they're they're safe. You can't kill them anymore. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So, um, yeah. There's no, as far as I can tell, no true like fully biblical system of government outside of that and um good theocracy, luck by the way was the word you were looking for the theocracy you said constitutional monarchy with god as king i feel like that's just called a theocracy <laughs> yeah maybe well yeah we'll talk um we'll talk no we won't i don't care that much that's fair um but uh, yeah um god has given us the ability to govern ourselves this is my real takeaway god has given us the ability to govern ourselves um and whatever we do Sheen whatever two whatever system we we do it in we ought to do it wisely and we ought to remember like what our place is in the world um acknowledge whatever weaknesses are in our system and do what we can to serve in that system faithfully so Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, prayer, prayer suggestions for you. Pray for, um, pray for the country, whatever country you you happen to live in. Um, pray for the people in power, whether that is the government, whether that is wealthy people, like whoever's in charge. Just pray that they would be faithful, um, and pray that the church would be faithful and do its job in 
not concerning itself so much with the economics or the political system that the church would be concerned with raising up faithful followers of Christ. Um, and now with our shameless plugs, uh, check out, you can subscribe to our podcast on whatever your platform of choices uh, validates us, which we appreciate. Um, and, you know, you get notifications when we have new episodes, which is cool. Um, <laughs> and we have a Facebook page. If you have topic suggestions or guests, or here's a new one. I hope someone still listens to the shameless plugs. Um, we're going to be starting season three soon, arbitrarily. Um, but we kind of take the season, the new season as a chance if we're going to implement anything new to try and improve the show. If you have ideas for that, please let us know. Either text one of us or we have the Facebook page. You can look it up. Um, and uh, I think that's all we got. So with that, brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.